welcome to part two of our podcast, and uh, that is exercise and what the role of exercise is in a weight management program. Uh, I'm Dr. Alan Miller from Thorne, and my guest for this series is Dr. Jacqueline Jacques, who is Senior Vice President Medical Affairs at Thorne. And Dr. Jacques brings to you a wealth of weight management or weight control information based on both her being a naturopathic physician and the fact that she has been involved in the field of weight management for about 20 years. A good part of that being uh, providing specific nutrients and, and aftercare for people who have undergone uh, weight loss surgery. First of all, when it comes to weight loss, uh, diet and exercise almost always get lumped into almost one word. Uh, why is that? Yeah, you hear them together, don't you? You don't just hear uh, diet by itself or exercise by itself, but you do hear that, you know, diet and exercise, that's what you need to do for weight management. Um, and there's some good reasons for that. So um, uh, diet, uh, which we talked about a lot in uh, our first podcast. So I, I hope that if people haven't listened to that, that they will go back and listen to it. Um, but let's just make a simplified definition of diet that says, uh, you know, diet is basically uh, what you're eating on a regular basis. So um, it's the way that we uh, that we get our food and uh, via getting food, we're getting energy, uh, we're getting calories. Um, so uh, some of those uh, we use as energy. So for whatever we're doing in our day, for our activities of daily living, or uh, if you're going to go run 10 miles, we're going to use those calories as energy, uh, or we're going to store them. We're going to store them as fat. So um, exercise tends to be the thing that that sort of is often put in opposition to those calories, right? So the more that we're moving, the more we're burning. And so people tend to talk about these things hand in hand and say, well, you should be burning more calories uh, if you want to compensate for the calories that you're consuming. So that's partly why we talk about them together. The other reason that we talk about them together is that often from a, a science standpoint, they're often studied together when we're studying uh, weight management or weight loss or weight maintenance. We often include uh, exercise as a component of studies of diet. So they can be sometimes very difficult to separate the effects of both of them when we're looking at research. Let's assume an individual has made some healthy dietary changes. Uh, how much exercise or how much does exercise actually contribute to weight loss? And, and I assume that you, you're thinking of uh, or you, you're going to say, you know, calories in, calories out, basically, right? Yeah. So the reality is, let's just say that um, you were eating 3,000 calories a day, right? And at eating 3,000 calories a day, uh, maybe you were having a little bit of slow, steady weight gain, um, or you certainly weren't losing weight. Let's just say that. Um, for example, human. <laughs> uh, if that person says, okay, I'm going to make dietary changes, I'm going to change a little bit the foods I'm eating, I'm going to reduce my calories overall uh, by, you know, 10 or 15, 20% a day. So I'm going to, you know, eat less food. Um, and then they start losing some weight because they're reducing their calorie intake. Um, honestly, unless they're exercising an awful lot, the contribution of exercise to losing weight is really not that much. So when we've looked at studies of 
of dietary change alone, and we separate that uh, from the study of diet and say kind of an average amount of exercise, say, you know, 30 to 60 minutes a day of moderate exercise, the contribution of exercise to loss is not overwhelming. Um, so let me explain why, because I think it's important for people to understand. It's really easy to consume calories, right? You can sit down with, a, you know, a pack of uh, potato chips and uh, ingest three, four, five hundred calories in a few minutes, right? You can, you know, walk into a restaurant or even into your own kitchen and probably fairly easily consume 500 to 1,000 calories, depending on what foods you're eating and consuming. To burn those calories off takes a lot more effort than to ingest them, right? So just on average, any idea, if you're just going to go for a run, how long you have to run to burn 500 calories? That's a pretty significant run. Yeah, if you're going to have to run for an hour, like a solid hour. It's much easier for people to not eat the bag of potato chips than it is to run for an hour. That's just a fundamental principle, right? I mean, for most of us, you know, if you can go run all that time, that's great, go do that, that's wonderful. It has tremendous health benefits for exercise. I would never wanna say that there's not tremendous health benefits for exercise. Um, but in terms of the amount of contribution it will make to weight loss, um, for many people, not for everyone, but for many people, it's not as much as they think which is not to diminish exercise at all. Exercise is incredibly important for health. I think everyone should be doing it and they should be doing it regularly. And I think we're gonna talk um, about where exercise really is probably most profoundly helpful uh, a little bit later in this, in this talk. So we'll come back to that. So when I was at the gym the other day and I saw the poster on the wall that said, uh, what's more important than your one hour or so that you're spending in here is the what you're doing the other 23 hours. Yes. Your gym had that poster? That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really true. I mean, that's, um, it's really very true uh, that, that that is, uh, is probably um, something that people don't talk about enough but uh, i'm surprised to hear that that was that was at your gym that's interesting yeah. right good for them <laughs> so they yeah so they were emphasizing getting enough sleep and making sure that you're eating properly and not overeating and you know all of the other the other lifestyle stuff not to say that exercise isn't important because it certainly is but yeah uh it's, it's that plus the other things that you do right yes for sure so what kind of exercise is best to promote weight loss? And uh, I know this is begging a one-size-fits-all question, and, and hopefully that's not going to be the answer. But uh, what, what do you think? You know, um, the, the reality is kind of like diet, that the, the best exercise is the one that you can do, right, is the one that you can, you can adopt and do on a regular basis. Hopefully it's one that you enjoy, although um, I think the advice of telling people just do something you like is not always the best advice simply because what if the answer to that is i don't really like any of that yeah, right i don't so, like to sweat i mean you know <laughs> i just don't so, like to exercise right is, yeah is, is, a, is a pretty reasonable answer for a lot of people so yeah. the best exercise is one you can do right um i ran into this myself uh especially during the years where i was traveling a lot for work um is that uh, i belonged to a gym but i, I was never getting there because i was on the road all the time i was traveling and so i finally took up running which i hated 
to be perfectly honest. I really didn't like running, but I took up running because I could do it anywhere. All I need is one thing. Yeah. It's the one thing you can do anywhere. You don't need need any equipment except your shoes pretty much. That's pretty much it. I could do it indoors on a treadmill. I could do it outdoors. Mm -hmm. I sometimes, you know, run laps around floors in hotels. So I could literally do it anywhere. Oh, that was you. That was you that kept running. Probably that was me. Yes, exactly. If you saw that crazy person that's running running laps in the Marriott, that was, that was probably me. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, and I, and I, I didn't like it. And honestly, I never learned to like it. People kept saying, you'll learn to like it eventually. I was like, no, but it serves a purpose and I can do it. (laughs) So, um, so So it's gotta be fun or it's gotta be fun or it's gotta be meaningful for you in some way. Right. Or it has to just be something that you, that's achievable that you can do it. That you can tolerate. (laughs) Yeah. That you can do. So, um, you know, that, that I think is the reality, um, is, there really probably isn't a one size fits all plan. Uh, the other big debate for people is always aerobic versus, um, you know, weight, weight strength training. Um, the, the truth is, again, here that there is there's value to both. Um, aerobic exercise probably has a bit more efficiency in that uh, calorie burning capacity. Um, and weight training has the potential to change our resting amount of calories that we burn because when you put on more muscle, uh, you have more muscle mass, you actually burn more calories uh, on the baseline. Right? You actually increase your resting metabolism by having more metabolically active tissue, which is muscle. So in the perfect world, it would be really great if everyone could do some of both. A little of both, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, having a little bit of both is probably the best uh, for most people, or there's kind of some popular workout routines now that really things like uh, like high-intensity uh, interval training, which are HIT, uh, which mm-hmm. can both of those together. Um, certainly that's intense exercise. It's not for everybody. Uh, but um, I think there's increasing recognition that both of them have value and probably the highest value proposition is going to be in combining them together. So uh, doing some sort of, uh, of weightlifting or using your, your body's weight uh, to uh, exercise those muscles to increase your muscle mass in doing so. And then because you've increased your muscle mass, you've got more uh, tissue, more efficient uh, calorie burning tissue. Yes. So actually, this brings us to something that I probably should have said when we were talking about how much exercise contributes to weight loss. But um, you're reminding me to say it now by talking about um, uh, increasing that uh, basic capacity for the body to burn energy. The most profound thing that exercise does in terms of body weight is to help us maintain the body weight that we want um, or the body weight that we're at. So anytime you lose weight in particular, we actually slow our our baseline metabolism when we lose weight. Um, And this is something that's been known, it's calculable, uh, and it's, it's pretty much, I don't wanna say it's entirely unavoidable. It's very hard for people to avoid, especially if they're losing larger amounts of weight um, is part of a defense mechanism by the body, right? So uh, when you are losing weight, even if you need to lose weight, it triggers mechanisms in the body that try to keep you from starving, right? So automatically your body's like, hey, Dr. Miller, you know, um, you've got something going on and you're losing a lot of weight and we don't want you to starve. So to keep you from starving, we're going to slow your metabolism to make up for the fact that you're not eating as much as you were. So um, this is often what accounts for weight loss plateaus. It can be super frustrating for people. Oh, it's uh, a, it's a cruel point, trick. It is. For... Well, 
it's not a cruel trick if you're actually starving. It's right. Great yeah. But for the, right, for the person, starving. yeah, for the person that's really mm-hmm. wanting to drop some right. weight and they get to that plateau because their body says, you know, um, we're not sure if you're trying to just starve us here or what. Uh, yeah, right. that can be frustrating for people. Right. And it's, it's a, it, there's actually redundant pathways that, that, uh, play into that. So it's, it's very hard to overcome. The one thing that compensates for it is exercise, right? So there's the place where if your body has slowed your metabolism by a few hundred calories a day, that's where making, making up that difference, making up what you've lost in metabolism with exercise is very meaningful. So um, when we're looking at somebody who's lost weight, probably the single most valuable tool in not gaining weight back is having a regular form of exercise that you're engaged in to make right. up for that, that metabolic loss. And that makes sense. You know, if you're just doing uh, caloric restriction and you're losing weight, um, are you losing just fat? No, you're losing muscle mass too, right? So you have, you need to be able to balance the two and make sure that you're exercising and, and maintaining that muscle mass while you're getting more lean. Yes, or again, or even building some muscle mass mm-hmm. um, if you're engaging in kind of exercise to do that. And again, there's even just additional hormonal reasons outside of loss of lean mass that cause that metabolic slowing, right? It's a it's a, a survival mechanism. So um, our best mechanism for overcoming it is to exercise. So as people are losing weight, the greatest value of exercise is in to help keep that weight off and to help them maintain the new weight that they're at. Part of kind of what we think of as set point reduction. So um, that you can compensate for that by uh, making up for that difference with, with, with activity, with exercise. And that's not even talking about all of the other positive issues when it comes to exercise uh, for cardiovascular health, for, uh, for your mood. Uh, that's that's yeah. <laughs> for very, very progressive um, counselors. That's the first thing that they recommend to most people that walk in their door and say, I'm anxious, I'm depressed. They say, well, are you yep. exercising? You need to be. Listen, there's no pill that does what exercise does, right? I mean, if we could wrap that up and package it um, and put our brand on it, we'd we'd retire. Because when you look at the overall health benefits of exercise, we don't have anything that does as much as exercise does for mood, for heart health, for brain health, for bone health, um, for probably just longevity in general, Mm -hmm. probably just live longer. They, They just did a study that I saw just a few days ago, Alan, looked at, um, they were looking at actually the, the hearts, like the heart muscle and like heart health of uh, older individuals who regularly exercise. And they're like, their hearts are like 30 years younger than age match controls who don't exercise. I mean, that's longevity, right? That's like if fantastic. you have a younger, a younger heart, I mean, who wouldn't want a younger heart? We don't have a pill for that. <laughs> it's, it's profound. So mm, it cer- uh, certainly yeah. is. Yeah. I, I just yeah. read a, a, an article today about a physician who pounded her, pounded her head against the wall, basically for a number of years in practice, telling people that they needed to exercise, uh, and, and not getting people to, uh, to pull the trigger on that, to, to start exercising. Uh, and she ended up quitting practice and opening a CrossFit gym. And she says she says that she's impacting far more people's lives in a more meaningful way than sitting across the table from from them and telling them you really need to exercise. 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so we talked about the type of exercise and it's, and it's basically what works for you. Um, what about the amount of exercise? And, and uh, I guess this depends on what type of exercise you're doing, but the, what is the amount of exercise that's best for most people when it comes to weight management? So, I mean, the, the ideal, um, if people can get there, is something on the range of 30 to 60 minutes most days of the week, if that's achievable, right? Um, you know, and it's a great goal. I think that's uh, the American Heart Association. I think what they actually publicize as their goal is 30 to 60 minutes of, of moderate exercise most days of the week for cardiovascular health. So, um, but recognizing that people have a huge range of limitations. If you've never really exercised before, you're not going to start at 30 to 60 minutes a day of moderate intensity exercise and just pick that up from zero. That's probably not going to happen. Or, you know, if you've got an injury, if you've had a, a bad disc or you've got arthritis in your knees or, um, you know, have, you have other physical limitations, um, that may not be achievable. So uh, I think that uh, that's a, you know, it's a well-publicized target for exercise. But within that, people have to uh, start with where they are. If they can work up to that as a goal, it's great. Um, if not working up to a goal that's comfortable, um, if that ends up being, you know, 15 minutes a day or it ends up being 30 to 45 minutes, you know, three days a week, uh, I think that, you know, whatever is achievable for people is going to ultimately be uh, what's best. But, but that 30 to 60 minutes of moderate intensity exercise is certainly the one that gets uh, studied a lot and publicized a lot. And and it's a reasonable goal to get to, like you said. It's uh, it's not where many people are going to start. You know, if you haven't, if you have not exercised, if you're not used to exercising, then it's going to be baby steps, or you're going to get injured, or you're going to have a yeah. bad experience, and you're not going to want to do it. And you know, I, I I should also say it doesn't have to be like 30 minutes at one time. So you can do 10 minutes of exercise three times. That's also fine. Um, you know, those numbers don't necessarily mean they have to be, you know, in a row, right? Uh, so um, that is something for people to keep in mind if they're trying to figure out how to, say, fit exercise into a really busy schedule, for example, um, that they can, you know, if they're exercising in their home, they could do, you know, 15 minutes or 10 minute bursts of exercise. And that still adds up to where they are targeting. Yeah, and I've seen some studies that show that that's meaningful, that that really does help. Uh, if no, you really. can do those short little bursts. It, it, it absolutely does, yes. So if I'm looking for a simple workout routine that will fit my lifestyle, uh, is there anything that you recommend? You know, there's there's so many good options for people. Um, you know, I mean, you, there's a huge range of, uh, of gym opportunities for people in most neighborhoods these days. So, you know, if that's something that people can afford and they have access to, um, that's something that people often like. Or other kinds of clubs, you mentioned CrossFit, there's yoga, there's dance studios, um, you know, buy a bicycle, you can ride a bike. Um, two of the ones that I have really liked as tools, especially uh, uh, if you're you know, somebody who maybe doesn't have good access to a gym or, or doesn't like gyms. Um, uh, there's a, there's some great apps that people can use nowadays for exercise or even some great websites. Uh, I really like uh, the seven minute workout, which is actually one that Johnson and Johnson developed. So it's, it's actually an app called the seven minute workout. Um, 
it's something that is there's pre-programmed, but you can also customize it. And they're literally seven minute routines that you do seven minutes at a time. Um, you can actually expand them, I think, up to like 12 minutes at a time. But something that uh, even beginners can do, and it's totally doable and super um, simple to do in your home. It doesn't require equipment more than maybe like uh, a chair, you know, so like, you know, a chair from your kitchen will be the equipment that most people need to accomplish all of it. So that's when I really like. Um, I mentioned running. So when I started running and I hated it, uh, what I used was a program called Couch to 5K. Um, <laughs> a really, it's a great program. I've recommended love, love it to a, a lot of people who literally, if you've had no experience ever putting on running shoes, and that was me, um, it walks people through a day-by-day, -day, very achievable set of steps that, that start with walking um, and move you up through like walking and intermittent and jogging and and it's it's you do get you get there if you can stick with it and follow the program and the the app is really friendly and um, or they've got a website you can do it through their website um, but it is honestly something that someone who's never had running experience can do and feel successful at and it gives you a lot of little good motivational things on the way so especially if you're someone like me who really didn't want to run <laughs> it kind of nudged me and kept mm -hmm. me sort of motivated while i was doing it so those are two that i like i also really recommend if someone has been injured and they have an injury uh to look and see what's available to them even through their health insurance so um uh, people are often surprised if they've had uh, you know, say a back injury or a joint injury or something else that has been a physical setback that uh, a lot of insurance offers good coverage for meeting with a physical therapist or an exercise physiologist who can help give you exercise that will be safe for you to do. So that's something that I really encourage people to look at if they've been injured is to find out what kind of coverage they have to meet with someone uh, professional who can help them um, find exercises for them that are going to be safe. I was surprised looking at um, health insurance that's supplied by the employer. Uh, many of these health insurance companies, um, you know, they want to reduce their costs. They don't want you to get sick. They don't want you to go to the doctor because it costs them money. Yep. And many of them have some health promotion uh, apps that you can use and mm -hmm. other motivators uh, that really help you to make good decisions uh, in, in your lifestyle. Uh, I was really kind of surprised when I started doing some research on that. Um, and the other thing I, I'd, I'd like to mention here is, is measurement helps. Um, documenting mm -hmm. what you do really helps uh, so that yep. you can see your progress as you go. And it can be as something as simple as uh, an app on, uh, on your watch or on your phone that keeps track of the number of steps that you do uh, every day. And, and I know that that's the way a lot of people get into even uh, more strenuous forms of exercise is just trying to hit that goal, trying to hit that yep. goal of 10,000 steps a day uh, and then going from there. Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's actually really great is to be tracking. And uh, even if you're not a technology person, a piece of paper and a pen works great. <laughs> you can you can absolutely do it that way. And there, there's great um, websites for fitness tracking as well. Um, many of them also, uh, you know, teach basic forms of exercise um, or even have community groups where you can you know, uh, join a, you know, beginner cycling group or beginner running group or oh, you know, things like that to kind yeah. of communicate with other people who are in the same sort of place that you're at relative to fitness. So um, those are great suggestions too. No, that, that's good. That's good because we can't assume that uh, people, uh, th that people know about how, how do I exercise? Some people have never 
worked up a sweat uh, doing some sort of physical exercise. So uh, yeah, you can't you can't assume that. So that's great. The, the amount of resources that are available to people now is just fantastic. So if you want to learn, there's going to be a resource to help you learn. Yes, absolutely. Very good. Well, good information uh, once again, and uh, we will pick up again in the next uh, edition of the podcast. And the next one we're going to talk about uh, are lifestyle factors. And we've talked a little bit about lifestyle factors, about diet and exercise. So what else is, is left? Tune into the next one and you'll see. 